Hi, everybody. 
This is your host, Lee Douglas, and welcome to Old Time Rock and Roll's very special, The Way We Were. We are brought to you, as we are every week, by Vacation Consultants International and Lacey's Past and Present. Tonight's show just defies description, because I really don't know how to bring this to your attention. But if you were born between 1942 and 1952, you grew up as a child of the 50s. Yeah, later on you may have heard some of it, but to get the full gist of what went on, you need to have been there at that time. If you weren't, then this is going to be a history lesson of sorts. If you were, sit back and enjoy the memories that are going to come. I guess we'll start out by just explaining what it is to be a child of the 50s. Here are the Statler brothers. I grew up a child of the 50s, learned to dance to the beat of rock and roll. Television was my friend, I loved Lucy Renton. My first girl when I was ten years old Took a turn for the worse in the sixties Saw some real people die on TV Learned love's hard cold facts Made my first income tax One small step for the man I've gone Democrats got it, we fell in love again. When Elvis died, we all knew that we could too. I'm facing the most of the 80s, old enough to run for president. It's hard to think it's me. the 50s to a kid was basically made up of three parts television the movies and music on tv which was brand new back in 52 it was if you had a television set in 1948 or 49 
you were very lucky. But by 1952, most every home had a TV set. Not all, but most. What did we watch? We watched pro wrestling, believe it or not. Pro wrestling was on from the very beginning. And another thing that was on was there was only one sport back in the 50s. You had football, you had basketball, but they did not capture the imagination of the American public, nor the kids, like professional baseball. What I'm going to play for you now are two songs which I'm sure you have not heard in 50 years or more. They show you exactly how important it was back in the day. The first one I'm going to play for you is by the Count Basie Orchestra, and it's called Did You See Jackie Robinson Hit That Ball? Fact, when Jackie comes to bat, the other team is through. Did you see Jackie Robinson hit that ball? Did he hit it? Yes! And that ain't all. He's so old! Yes, yes, Jackie's real gone. When the Brooklyn Dodgers left New York City, so did the New York Giants. In fact, the deal was either both teams went to California or none. So they both left, leaving the Yankees pretty much all alone at that time. But the Yankees were now done because they had a player who was even more popular than Jackie Robinson. 
His name, Mickey Mantle. Here is Teresa Bluert, and I love Mickey. Mickey who? You know who, the fellow with the celebrated swing. Oh, I love Mickey. Mickey who? You know who, the one who drives me batty every spring. If I don't make a hit with him, my heart will break in two. I wish that I could catch him and pitch a little woo. I love Mickey. Mickey who? Mickey you. Mickey me. That's who. Right home with me. Oh, I'd sacrifice most anything to win his many charms. I'd like to be a fly ball and pop right in his arms. Oh, I love Mickey. Mickey who? Mickey, Mickey Oh, I love you. Who, me? Oh, I love you. Not Yogi Berra? Hey everybody, this is Lee Douglas. As a listener of old-time rock and roll, I know that you love the 50s and 60s as much as I do. Well, I've found the place for all of us. It's called Lacey's Past and Present. With tens of thousands of 45s, LPs, cassettes, and even 8-tracks and collectibles, they have what you want. Their prices, great. Their selection, incredible. Their service, phenomenal. Want to see what they've got? Log in to... L-A-C-E-Y-S Vinyl dot G-E-M-M dot com That's Lacey's Vinyl dot Gem dot com Have something you're looking for? You could email them at Lacey's 1953 at earthlink dot net or dial toll free 866-656-1953 And if you live in the Central Florida area, visit them at 121 West Plant Street, Winter Garden. Whether it's in person or on the web, visit this wonderland of 1950s and 60s memorabilia. I know you're going to love it. It's interesting to note that in the music industry at that time, there were two separate industries. You had what what they called race music down south, and you had... Popular stream, popular mainstream music in the in the white areas of this country, and they very rarely met. As as the fifties began, uh, there was a little difference of you know groups like the Mills Brothers began um, coming out and having crossover smash hits for the popular crowd, and teenagers at that time were very receptive to the Mills Brothers and groups like that. And so it wasn't long before there was going to be a big change in music. But at the same time that this was going on, 
Somebody else out there changed music. He took a little pickup, a microphone pickup, and installed it inside of the guitar and for the first time created sounds that you never heard before on a guitar. Here's Les Paul and Mary Ford and How High the Moon. These sounds were never heard before, and people were amazed. And they said, what instrument was that? Because no one had heard the guitar like this before. most influential early television stars and musicians was a guy by the name of Tennessee Ernie Ford. If you hadn't seen Ernie Ford up to this time, you probably saw him for the first time on the I Love Lucy show when he did a two-part episode with them. But his influence was not only on homespun humor on the screen, but also his great work with records. I'd like to present to you now something that you probably have not heard before. Here's Tennessee Ernie Ford and Shotgun Boogie. That stands in the corner where the barrels are straight. I looked out the window and over the gate. The big fat rabbits are jumping in the grass. Wait till they hear my old shotgun blast. Shotgun Boogie. I done saw your track Look out, Mr. Rabbit When I cock my hammer back Well, over on the ridge Is a scaly bark He 
hickory nuts so big you can see them in the dark. The big fat squirrels, they scratch and they fight. I'll be on that ridge before daylight with the shotgun boogie. All I need is one shot. Look out, bushy tail. Tonight you'll be in the pot. She was tall and thin I asked her what she had She said a fox 410 I looked her up and down Said boy this is love So we headed for the brush To shoot a big fat dove Shotgun boogie Boy the feathers flew Look out Mr. Dove When she draws a bead on you I sat down on a log, took her on my lap. She said, wait a minute, bud, you got to see my path. He's got a 16-gauge choke down like a rifle. He don't like a man that's a gonna trifle. Shotgun boogie, draws a beat so fine. Look out, big boy, he's loaded all the time. gentleman order he said no brush hunter's gonna get my daughter he cocked back the hammer right on the spot when the gun went off i outrun the shot shotgun boogie i wanted wedding bells i'll be back little gal when your pappy runs out of shells in 1950 television was just beginning to come into its own Two of the greatest shows on television, one, of course, was Milton Berle, who absolutely commanded Tuesday night on, on television. And another show that was very popular was called Dragnet. It was produced, directed, written, and starred by a young man named Jack Webb. And he had the most inane dialogue you might ever hear between a police officer and his i guess uh, witnesses so take a listen to this it's it's not from dragnet it is from a satire of dragnet that was done about that time there was a uh, a performer who already was making a, a name for himself on radio shows and also decided he was doing the voices for some of the characters whatever mel blank couldn't do for looney tunes a guy by the name Stan Freeberg took over and did the rest. So here is Stan Freeberg and St. George and the Dragonette. The legend you are about to hear is true. Only the needle should be changed to protect the record. This is the countryside. My name is St. George. I'm a knight. Saturday, July 10th, 8.05 p.m. I was working out of the castle on the night watch when a call came in from the chief. A dragon had been devouring maidens. Homicide. My job. Slay him. 
You call me, Chief? Yeah, it's the dragon again, devouring maidens. The king's daughter may be next. Mm-hmm. You got a lead? Uh, nothing much to go on. Said you take that forty-five automatic into the lab to have him check on it? Yeah. You were right. I was right? Yeah. He was a gun. 8.22 p.m. I talked to one of the maidens who had almost been devoured. Could I talk to you, ma'am? Who are you? I'm St. George, ma'am. Homicide, ma'am. I want to ask you a few questions, ma'am. I understand you were almost devoured by the ma'am. Is that right, dragon? It was terrible. He breathed fire on me. He banged me already. How can I be sure of that, ma'am? Believe me, I got it straight from the dragon's mouth. 11.45 p.m. I rode over the King's Highway. I saw a man. Stopped to talk to him. Pardon me, sir. Could I talk to you for just a minute, sir? Sure, I don't mind. What do you do for a living? I'm a knave. Didn't I pick you up on a 903 last year for stealing tarts? Yeah. So what, do you want to make a federal case out of it? No, sir. We heard there was a dragon operating in this neighborhood. We just want to know if you've seen him. Sure, I've seen him. Mm-hmm. Could you describe him for me? What's to describe? You see one dragon, you've seen them all. Would you try and remember, sir, just for the record? We just want to get the facts, sir. Well, he was, you know, he had orange polka dots. Yes, sir. Purple feet, breathing fire and smoke. Mm-hmm. And one big bloodshot eye right in the middle of his forehead and, uh, like that. Notice anything unusual about him? No, he's just a run-the-mill dragon, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, you can go now. Hey, by the way, how are you going to catch him? I thought you'd never ask. A dragon net. 3.05 p.m. I was riding back into the courtyard to make my report to the lab. Then it happened. It was a dragon. Hey, I'm the fire-breathing dragon. You must be St. George, right? Yes, sir. I see you got one of them new 45 caliber swords. That's about the size of it. <laughs> you slay me. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. What do you mean? I'm taking it in a 502. You figure it out. What's the charge? Devouring maidens out of season. Out of season? You never pinned that rap on me? Do you hear me, cop? Yeah, I hear you. I got you in a 412, too. A 412? What's a 412? Overacting. Let's go. On September the 5th, the dragon was tried and convicted. His fire was put out and his maiden devouring license revoked. Maiden devouring out of season is punishable by a term of not less than 50 or more than 300 years. Let's talk vacation. Every year it seems to get more and more expensive. It takes working harder and longer at your job to pay off your last vacation. Well, no more. I found a deal from Vacation Consultants International that will change all of that. You can spend five days and four nights at one of two resorts in Cancun, Mexico for $399. Not per person, not per night, but $399 total. Sound good? Let's make it even better. It is all-inclusive, not for two, but up to four people, including all of your food, drinks, tips, and taxes, everything. And your sightseeing and tours are discounted by up to 50%. Want to hear more about this incredible deal? Call 1-877-251-4595 and get all the details. Let's sweeten the pot. How about two children under the age of 12 free? And mention the offer code OLDTIMEROCKANDROLL and receive an extra bonus. You can buy this package now, and you will have up to 18 months to make your travel plans. This offer is very limited, so call today, 1-877-251-4595.
The only other thing you have to pay for is your airfare. Call now and reserve your vacation at either the Sandoz Playa Car Beach Resort or the Sandoz Caracos Echo Resort and Spa for just $399. In fact, I'm packing my bags right now. Now, this next segment may seem a little corny, but I assure you, in the late 1940s and into the early 1950s, teenagers were not considered what they're considered today. In fact, I guess you might say teenagers were not considered young adults, but older children. And these two next pieces, I, I, I almost hesitate to play them, but I want you to hear especially if you didn't if you weren't a, a child of the 50s what were kids like in those days i'm not talking about the rock and roll age now i'm talking about even before that in the early 50s exactly how teenagers were perceived and so what i'm going to play for you now and please listen carefully cuz you're going to absolutely have your mind blown when i listen to them i say are they kidding? But this is the way it was perceived back in the 1950s. The guy's name is Tom Edwards, not Tommy Edwards, nothing to do with all in the game. This was Tom Edwards, and I want you to listen first. What is a teenage girl? And followed by what is a teenage boy? And I think you will begin to understand the 1950s and how different they were and how shocked parents and society was when rock and roll reared its head. Sugar and spice and everything nice, that's what little girls are made of. After years of acceptance, that little phrase has been swept aside for the modern version. Rhythm and blues and rubber-soled shoes, that's what girls are made of. Responsible for this dramatic change is a fun-loving, giggly, chattering, unpredictable, unmanageable bundle of vitality known as a teenage girl. Years ago, one could tell the girls from the boys by the way they dressed. Now that girls have adopted boys' haircuts, shirts, blue jeans, and jackets, it's not so easy until you um, watch them walk away from you. In an average day, a teenager frustrates her mother charms her father, irritates her kid brother, puzzles her teacher, befuddles her young boyfriend, and in the process, thoroughly confuses herself. In spite of it all, she has a boundless enthusiasm for nearly everything. Rock and roll music, disc jockeys, Elvis you-know-who, sleeping late, clothes, gossip, increased allowances, chewing gum with the mouth open, of course, charm bracelets, babysitting, and large football sweaters, especially one with a star halfback in it. When she's not under your feet, she's on your mind. And when you need her, you can find her under pin curlers, in front of mirrors, over homework started at bedtime, behind movie magazines, and between phone calls. A teenage girl loves to complain. She can't stand anything about her hair, girls who flirt with her date, nosy parents, and boys who don't dance. 
although she'll probably marry one who doesn't dance at all. A teenage girl's amazing energy comes from a steady, well-rounded diet of pizza pie, cheeseburgers, hot fudge sundaes, malted milks, french fries, and sometimes even fingernails. Today's teenage girl would rather learn pursuing than pursue learning. Nevertheless, she has a unique capacity for applying things taught in school. Carrying out the fundamentals of Lend-Lease, for example, she lends and leases combs, bobby pins, autographs, shoes, bus fare, and even homework answers. She's unique in other ways, too. Uh, nobody, for instance, can guard a secret as loyally or spill it so easily. No one has gone steady quite so often and suffers quite so much when in love. At home in the evening, a teenage girl relaxes by listening to the latest and loudest rock and roll records. Her mother in the kitchen, although busily preparing the evening meal, feels a warm glow as she realizes that her teenage daughter is really enjoying life to its fullest. Overcome by these sentimental thoughts, she wipes her hands, goes to the foot of the stairs from where the music is coming, and in a sweet, motherly way, says... For heaven's sake, will you turn that darn thing off? A teenage boy is a rare combination of many living creatures. He runs like a gazelle, swims like a fish, eats like a horse, sleeps like a bear laughs like a hyena, and makes noises like a cage full of monkeys. In reality, he's just a normal, happy, healthy American boy, too old to be a child and too young to be a man. The teenage boy can be found beneath a crew cut, behind a black eye, in front of the corner drugstore, over large portions of food, and more often than not, under the stern look of his father. Teenage boys are positive that their fathers never were teenagers, or else how could they possibly be so square? Although a teenage boy is rarely serious, he nevertheless does an outstanding job with the things he really likes to do, such as just goofing, taking clocks apart, playing records that really send him, dodging household chores, and spending money, preferably not his own. He dislikes visiting his relatives, running errands, hanging up his clothing, hats, and <laughs> bathtubs. Along with his other animal traits, a teenage boy has the incredible memory of an elephant. He remembers his first haircut, his kindergarten teacher, the batting average of every major league baseball player, and all the words of all the current songs. Yet, with this great retentive memory, he forgets to change his socks, wash his neck, close the door behind him, his mother's birthday, and his two lines on the school play. Teenage boys have one tricky device for getting even with their parents for such things as scoldings, curfews, forced labor, and things like that. They continuously keep growing, growing out of brand new suits, shirts, shoes, and out of hand. However, there are several methods employed by a father to show the teenage boy just who the boss is. By reasoning, by pleading, by coaxing, by threatening, by putting his foot down, 
by bribing, and at the point of frustration, by dropping the whole thing and forgetting who the boss really is. A teenager changes from a daytime roughneck to a nighttime gentleman when he starts getting ready for his first real dress-up dance. Foremost in his preparations is the shaving of the two stray hairs lurking in the peach fuzz. And finally, after spending 20 minutes getting the wave in his hair just right, he's off to the dance. And there, typical of most teenage boys, he and his buddies will stand around in small groups making comments while they watch the girls dance with each other. In the evening, in the seclusion of his room, a teenage boy will dream of his future. He pictures himself as a jet pilot breaking the sound barrier several times a day. Or perhaps he's navigating the first rocket ship to the moon. Or maybe he's just broken Babe Ruth's home run record. Basking in the glories of his dream world accomplishments, he suddenly finds himself back to reality. He has just heard the proud, familiar voice of his mother calling from the kitchen. For the last time, you get right down here and take the garbage out. Tom Edwards. <laughs> in some words uh, of wisdom about kids that no longer <laughs> inhabited the earth. Teenagers. Well, I was one once. This next one is, you know, when you think about comedians, you say, all right, who are the popular comedians? And they come to Milton Berle and Jackie Gleason and I Love Lucy, you know, and all that. And you wonder, but who did the kids like? And the kids, they liked only two. Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis. Jerry, of course, the little nut who always was a child. And there was a phrase that, you know how phrases sometimes get, like dynamite you had in the 70s. And uh, what you're talking about, Willis, in the 90s or the 80s. And here back in the 1950s, the, the catchphrase was, I like it. Here's Jerry Lewis. Sitting in the parlor with my girl one summer night. I was busy eating peanuts when she went and dimmed the light. The next thing that I know, she grabbed me by the head. She started in to squeeze me, so I jumped up and said, I like it, I like it. What can I do? I like it. She kissed me on the right cheek Gee whiz, I felt so weak I recall my mom once told me You must turn the other cheek I got so darned excited My bag of peanuts fell Each time her lips came closer I started in to yell I like it, I like it What can I do, I like it All that 
kissing made me hungry. I was famished, yes siree. So I said, how about some supper? And she asked what it would be. I said I'd like some pickles with ice cream on the side. She screamed a pickle sundae, so I said real dignified. I like it, I like it. What can I do? I like it. So it happened we got married and we raised a family. There's Gary and there's Ronnie and they look just like me. They play with loaded pistols and razor blades to boot. And as they chase each other, they scream and yell so cute. Television was a big part of the 1950s, especially the early 1950s. Kids' television was pretty much relegated to Saturday morning. And the shows, well, you know what? It's hard to explain. I'm going to let you hear exactly what was on on Saturday. Some of these you will remember. Some of these you may not. But here are your Saturday morning shows and your early evening shows during the week for kids. And now where is that crazy little old froggy the Gremlin? Are you ready to plunk your magic twanger and become visible, froggy? I'm a kitty catty wampus, I am, I am. Oh, quit your fibbing. If you want to sing your crazy song, come on out here and do it. Watch him closely over there, kids. Well, come on in, froggy. <laughs> Oh, it's just silly things. My goodness. <clears throat> always telling fibs. You know, I think I'll teach you. Hey, Froggy. What do you want? What do you want? Why don't you always tell the truth like me? Listen. I'm the man who made it rain for 40 days and 40 nights. I really built the ark for Noah, too. Yeah, but I paddled it a hundred million miles to see the sight. I'm a kitty catty wampa super new. This is how I built the ocean. It will surely make you grin. I squeezed them from the early morning dew. Yeah, but you had to call on me to dig the holes to put them in. I'm a kitty catty wampa super new. I'm a kitty catty wampa am I? You're just a little fiddler. If you like to see the ships upon the bottom of the deep, come closer, and I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just turn the ocean over so that you can take a peek. I'm a kitty cat, a wampus super do. Yeah, but from the sea, I yanked the mountains, and I stacked them on the plains. One day when I had nothing else to do, yeah, but you'd better quit your bragging or I'll shove them back again. I'm a kitty catty wampa super do. I'm a kitty catty wampa, I am, I am. You're just a sight, that's what you are. 
I'm the man who built the pyramid. I made the River Nile. And for me, it was a simple thing to do. Once I raced a streak of lightning and I beat it by a mile. I'm a kitty catty wampa super dude. I dug all the caves and caverns and I want to make it plain. I only had to dig a day or two. Yeah, but someday I'll take a minute just to fill him up again. He's a kitty catty wampa super dude. That's me. <laughs> My, that little old women. <laughs> Gosh, Rudy, silver cup bread is good. Silver cup and rich bread. The bread that's made with whole milk brings you the Rudy Kazooty Clock. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, Root. What's going on around the clubhouse? Tonight? Oh, it's rodeo day at the Bar K Ranch, Big Todd. Better get ready. Oh, looks like we're heading down that old western trail again, Root. Today we're going to have our rodeo there at the old Bar K Ranch, I guess. Sure, a shooting partner, because here we come. Yeah. Well, there we are at the old Bar K just been drawn here on a magic window, which is you're gonna what you're going to do in just a while, too. You'll draw at home, but we want to welcome you back to another half hour of drawing and fun and games on your program, Winky Dink and You. Now, you know, on the past programs, we've had lots of fun drawing things like that and, and making things, but today, I promise you that we're going to have more. Hey, what in the world? Well, anyway, I promise you that today we're going to have more... What in the world is going on around here? Smile, please. Hey, what? All right, enough's enough. Let's find out what Winky's up to now. Come on. Watch the birdie now. What are you doing, Winky? Taking pictures? 
Would you like me to take your picture, huh? Pictures took five cents? Mm. Well, I guess I can afford that, all right. Sure, I'd like you to. Oh, thanks. <laughs> now, just stand there. Well, here? Uh-huh. Like this? Uh, no, no. A little further back. Uh, like uh, this? Is this better? Huh? Um, How do I look, all right? Further huh? back, Jack. Further, further back? Mm-hmm. Um, well, all right, if you say so. Uh, How's that? is our ringmaster, Mr. Claude Kirchner, who's all ready to blow the whistle that will start the Super Circus show. So come on, kids, let's get going! Ladies and gentlemen, and children everywhere, your Super Circus show is on once again with more laughs, thrills, and chills for your television entertainment. But now it's on to ring number one, up to the trapeze at the zenith of the Hippodrome, where we see the continental aerial calisthenics of Les Geraldos.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the feature presentation of Le Giraldo's great aerial exhibition, a truly daring and death-defying feat of foot-to-foot somersault. Madeline steadies on the trapeze while Ronnie hangs by his hand. At the precisely correct moment, Ronnie projects himself into the air, swings his legs upward, and is caught by Madeline and held there in a foot-to-foot position. All right, before we continue, I just want to remind you that the sound, that there was no um, tape copies of this stuff and no digital copies. This was all recorded from from television film, and the sound is pretty bad, but I thought you would like to hear some of these amazing bits of this. Hiya, kids! It's Andy's Day! I got a gang, you got a gang, everybody's gotta have a gang, but there's only one real gang for me. Magical Froggy the Grim. Let's get back to music for just a second and remember how it was when girls had cooties <laughs> and uh, guys had fleas, I guess. And uh, this is the four preps they're remembering back when she was five and he was ten. Be 
I thought you'd like to hear this kind of an interesting take on a commercial that was done back in the early 50s. You know, today with the, with the economy the way it is, they actually, have, especially General Motors, uh, took a brand that is one of the most notable brands in American history. That is the Oldsmobile, and it is no longer being made. But the Oldsmobile, next to the Ford, was the most well-known car in the early part of the century. So here's what it sounded like in the 1950s when two absolute incredible stars, Bing Crosby and Judy Garland, sang a commercial. Ah, Judith, that was beautiful. <laughs> What's next, Bing? Now I think we should do our modern lyrics to Mary Oldsmobile. I'm a young fella. I've just driven up in my brand new 1952 O's. You rush up to the car and I say, What do you think of it, Judy? I'll tell you. It's hydromatic, just like you. What do you mean? Why, the car is shiftless, too. There's no clutch. Well, what about me? Ah, when I park, both hands will be free. And not for long. What a body. It's all streamlined. Thank you. With a little spare tire behind. Wiggle <laughs> hand. In glove down the road of luck in my merry Oldsmo. L-O-V-E. In my merry Oldsmo. O-U-Q-T. In our merry Oldsmo. We're the men of Texaco, we work from Maine to Mexico, there's nothing like the Texaco of ours. I show tonight is powerful, we'll wow you with an hour full of howls from a shower full of stars. We're the merry Texaco men, tonight we may be showmen, tomorrow we'll be servicing your cars. I wipe the pipe, I pump the gas, I rub the hub, I scrub the glass, I touch the clutch, I mop the top, I poke the coke, I sell the pop. I clear the gear, I block the knock, I jack the back, I set the clock, so join the ranks of those who know, and fill your tank with Texaco. Sky fill up with sky and you will smile at the pile of new miles you will add. Fire sheep, fill up with fire sheep, you'll find the trick that goes the finest thing your car has ever had. And now, ladies and gentlemen, introducing America's number one television star, your June bride, Mildred the curtain is descending and we thank you for attending But before we reach the ending, may we add Remember to be loyal to our gasoline and oil When they save you time and toil, you'll be glad Now the clock is striking nine off, but just before we sign off Tomorrow night, listen One of the first pieces of rock 
and roll music that I ever heard was on a show coming out of a Long Island station. And the name of the show was Night Train. And here is Earl Bostick with that song. Here's an interesting parody done on the Milton Berle show. Now, Milton Berle was not only a big in television, but it didn't last very long. By 1955 and the start of rock and roll, Milton Berle's popularity began to wane. But I'd like you to hear this. It's, it's kind of interesting, and it, it goes well, even though it's television, it goes well with the audio because you can figure out everything that's being said and, and done right on the uh, stage. So it's an interesting piece. I want you to hear this. It's a parody of What's My Line. Here's uh, some great <laughs> talent from Milton Berle. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and welcome once again to What's My Racket. My name is John. Since the newspaper strike in New York, you know there are no more dailies. Now, first, I'd like to introduce our panel. And immediately to my right is the bright, scintillating, beautiful, charming, brilliant, glamorous, adorable, but what good is it she's married, Maria Riva. And to my right is a young lady who has collected more ice 
than Betty Furness. And who has more brains in her little finger than she has in her big finger, Miss Carol Chan. And to my right is that lovely cover girl of Field and Stream magazine who appears with us tonight through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox, whose latest movie, How to Marry a Millionaire, she's been waiting in line all afternoon to get in to see, and who's been excused from the line to make this broadcast, Miss Matt. <laughs> and to my right is a fascinating, handsome, gorgeous... Uh, talented. Talented. <laughs> Versatile. Versatile. Modest. Wealthy Milton Berle. <laughs> and to my right is the powder room. <laughs> well, I guess you're all anxious to play What's My Racket? So if our first guest will sign in, please. <laughs> Would you sign in, please? <laughs> and now we'll see what this gentleman's racket is. Would you? Just a minute, I'll put this racket down. I'll just follow her. Would you walk in front of the panel? Can I, uh... You have one free guest, sir. Free guest. May I see your hands, please? <laughs> you see you have mustard here, egg, A1 sauce, chili. I take one quick guess. This man is a sloppy eater. No, no, you couldn't be wrong, huh? And we better dispense with the free questions, because Mr. Jones has his engine double parked, and he's got to be back at the fire station. <laughs> All right, panel, we'll start with Miss Reba. Does your work take you into people's homes? Yes. Are you usually there? Well, it's better for me if they're out. <laughs> Do you sometimes have to break in? Sometimes I have to break in. Are you a goner? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Mr. Jones is not a goner. Next, Miss Channing. Um, this work that you do, do you walk to work? No. Well, how do you get to work? I slide down a pole. <laughs> Are you a monkey? <laughs> oh, no, Mr. Jones is not a monkey. Next, Max. Are you married? <laughs> yes. All right, Max, next question. I've lost interest in it. <laughs> uh, Mr. Jones, does your business keep you on call any hour of the day or night? Yes. <laughs> Do you have to get to where you're going in a hurry like in an emergency? Yes. I see. Do you use water in your business? Yes, plenty of water. I see. Uh, when people call you, is it for something unexpected? Yes, well... Uh... Sometimes it's expected. Do you use any special instruments in your racket? Yes. Just a minute. Will we have a conference, please? He says he's called in on emergency. Yes, and plenty of water. Isn't it for something people are expecting? Yeah, I got it. Are you an obstetrician? <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. Mr. Jones is a fireman. Oh, Why don't you give us a hint? And now for our mystery guest. Put on your blinkers, panel. 
Mystery guest, sign in. All right, now here's our mystery guest. See what you can do with this. Could, uh, could I hear the guest say something, please? Ho, 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 Merry Christmas! <laughs> ho, 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 Merry Christmas! Are there always bells clanging like that when you go to work? Ho, 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 Merry Christmas! Do you, uh, do you have to break into a house sometimes? Like, for instance, do you have to come in by way of the roof or the chimney? Oh, oh, oh Merry Christmas! Are you married? Oh, uh, never. <laughs> conference. Let's have a conference. He says he comes down the chimney. Yes, sometimes he has to come down the chimney. Wears a red suit. Yeah. And his bell's clanging when he goes to work. We've got it. Are you a fireman? <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. And if the panel will take off their masks, they will see that our mystery guest is none other than... Well, I might have known it. It's my brother Frank. He only works once a year. I might have known it. Right now, I want to uh, do some interesting, different pieces of music that kind of reflect on those times. This uh, first one is, again, the Statler Brothers, and it's called Whatever Happened to Randolph Scott. And after that, we have another great song. And this one, believe it or not, is by Little Richard and the Beach Boys. It's called Happy Endings. Everybody knows when you go to the show You can't take the kids along You've got to read the paper and know the code Of GPG and R and X And you got to know what the movie's about Before you even go Tex Ritter's gone and Disney's dead And the screen is filled with sex Whatever happened to Randolph Scott Riding the train alone Whatever happened to Gene and Tex and Roy and Rex the Durango Kid? Oh, whatever happened to Randolph Scott, his horse plane as could be? Whatever happened to Randolph Scott, this happened to the best of me. Everybody's trying to make a comment about our doubts and fears. True Grit's the only movie I've really understood in years. You've got to take your analyst along to see if it's fit to see. Whatever happened to Randolph Scott has happened to the industry. Whatever happened to Johnny Mac Brown and Alan Rocky Lane? Whatever happened to Lash LaRue, I'd love to see them again. Whatever happened to Smiley Burnett, Tim Hope, and Gene Autry? Whatever happened to all of these has happened to the best of me. Whatever happened to Randolph Scott has happened to the industry.
I guess if I had to make one song the theme song for the 1950s, as far as the way we as teenagers felt, it would have been this one. We were not old enough to know about what love really was. We didn't know what was right and what was wrong, but we sure thought we did. So if any song had to epitomize the way kids felt in the 1950s, here's Jimmy Charles, A Million to One. A million to one That's what our folks think about this love This sure has gone over, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, I do want to thank you all for being with us tonight. I want to end on this note. I know that anybody who grew up in the late 50s or, or will remember this, and this is my little end gift to you. This is my medley. I hope you remember and can reminisce along with me. For everybody here at Old Time Rock and Roll, this is Lee Douglas. That's a wrap. Show in town is a
hungry hound for all you guys and gals. The biggest clown in town is Huckleberry Hound with all his power to pound. It's Huckleberry fun, it's for everyone. So come on, gather round. Get yourself all set, turn up your TV set. Your sides will ache, your heart will go fit a pad. Watch and Felix, the wonderful cat. Say, kids, what time is it? Mr. Duty, and boys and girls at home and kids in the gallery, let's go! Mr. Ed. A horse is a horse, of course, of course, and no one can talk to a horse, of course. That is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. Ed. Go right to the source and ask the horse. He'll give you the answer that you endorse. He's always on a steady course. Talk to Mr. Ed.
Um, Clyde Crash Cup. Smile.